0: At WrestleMania 39, Cody Rhodes may have failed to dethrone Roman Reigns inexplicably, but he did succeed in breaking an 18-year WWE cycle. I'm Andy from What Culture Wrestling, and here are 10 things nobody has told you about WWE WrestleMania. Number 10. Cody Rhodes, like stained, breaks the cycle. The era of WrestleMania being heavily reliant on part-timers and legends is over. Yes, John Cena and Brock Lesnar both wrestled this year, but they were on the undercard. And nuts in a position where they were the focus of the emphasis of the entire show. This hasn't been the case for years and years. With an impressive diplomacy, Cody Rhodes stated earlier in the year that The Rock's presence wasn't needed at WrestleMania 39 because WWE's in-house stars and stories were enough, and ultimately he was proven correct. The selling point for Mania this year wasn't Steve Austin brawling or Vince McMahon attempting to brawl, but the stars of today. It was about the bloodline, it was about Cody Rhodes, it was about Sammy and Kevin, Rhea Ripley, Bianca Belair, anyone you can name, and they all made for the most compelling and forward-thinking build since WrestleMania 21. Number 9. There are shockingly few great openers. The WrestleMania opener is something of a hallowed spot, but when you go through the annals of history and really add things up, there have been as many dodgy Mania openers as dynamite ones. Really, it wasn't until WrestleMania 7 and the Rockers versus Haku and the Barbarian that we got a truly blowaway Mania opener. Obviously, Brett versus Owen at Mania 10 is one of the greatest WWE matches of all time, but beyond that, 90s openers in general were kind of crap. By the time we got to WrestleMania 21, it started to feel like a curse when on that night, Rey Mysterio vs. Eddie Guerrero was a clunky disappointment, and yes, we have had a handful of great openers since then, but even at WrestleMania 38, that fell victim to an unfortunate injury suffered by Rick Boogs, hence the curse. So aside from Bret vs. Owen or Daniel Bryan vs. Triple H, and a handful of others, The hallowed WrestleMania opener? Yeah, it's, it's not really a thing. Number eight. WrestleMania 9 is not the worst one. I think the perception of WrestleMania 9 is informed by its all-time bad ending. Hulk Hogan's screwjob over Yokozuna is a desperate disgrace, but it was the one terrible moment on an otherwise pretty inoffensive night. The outdoor aesthetic was fun, and so were the togas, and it was also pretty resourceful. So even when Razor Ramon vs Bob Backlund was kinda bad, there was at least a sense of splendor to the whole thing. And yes, the good stuff like HBK vs Tatanka was few and far between for far too long, but Bret Hart was genuinely awesome in that main event with Yoko before the chaos. As far as worst shows ever go, WrestleMania 2, WrestleMania 32, and WrestleMania 4 definitely have 9 beaten. And so does the next entry on this list, and historians, cover your ears. Number 7 it's okay to have not watched WrestleMania 1. The other contender for the worst WrestleMania ever is the very first one. It's slightly better than you might expect from a mid-80s WWE card, and things like Andre the Giant's Body Slam Challenge with Big John Studd were effective and fun. The main event too was a loud spectacle that was never about in-ring quality, but the rest of the night was a dimly lit chore. And yes, look, it's 2023, going back is hard, viewing classic material through modern eyes is very difficult. Enduring the first mania feels like something of a rite of passage, something that you simply must do as a wrestling fan, but really, you shouldn't feel guilty if you never get round to it. Fundamental to Vince McMahon's success as a promoter it may have been, Mania 1 has kind of aged like milk. Number six, great wrestling doesn't always get over on the grandest stage. I'm talking Chris Jericho vs Edge at 26, Jericho vs CM Punk at 28, or AJ Styles' two WrestleMania matches with Edge and Shinsuke Nakamura. While not every intricate technical match loses the crowd, look at Kofi versus Bryan for example. Sometimes the crowd just evaporates, it happens every other year, but why? Is it a failing on the wrestler's behalf to work a match in line with the audience's expectations? Or are WWE's agents just making far more dynamic wrestlers slow down for the benefit of the mythical casual fan? Whatever the case, you can almost set your watch to it. and. It kinda sucks. Number five. The streak ended when it should have. People questioned if Lesnar, of all people, should be the one to end the streak. But when you think about it and you consider the alternatives, he really was the correct choice. WWE's creative mechanisms at the time simply wouldn't have allowed for a Rusev or a Bray Wyatt or a Cesaro to really benefit from this long term. Ideally, yeah, a red hot young act should have ended the streak and used it to become a major star. But in Vince McMahon's WWE, that was never going to happen. It was never going to result in guaranteed stardom, so you could have had Rusev, for example, beat The Undertaker, but three months later, he wouldn't have been anywhere different. Brock Lesnar, however, is somebody that Vince was always going to book well in the aftermath. The other lads, they wouldn't have stood a chance, unfortunately. Number four, CM Punk does not regret not headlining. And he's not alone. CM Punk, per the Best in the World DVD set, was adamant that he should have headlined WrestleMania 28. To him, WrestleMania's top spot should have been the best good guy against the best bad guy. John Cena was WWE's top babyface draw at the time, and CM Punk's exceptional work in the straight edge society made him the premier heel. But Vince McMahon disagreed. Then for WrestleMania 29, Punk lobbied to get himself involved in a pitched triple threat with John Cena and The Rock, believing himself good enough to warrant the spot. But Vince McMahon disagreed. Vince then tried to tell him that his consolation match with The Undertaker was essentially the hottest thing on the show, so when you think about it, Punk kinda was in the main event even though he wasn't going last, but CM Punk disagreed. But while his inability to feature any WrestleMania main event used to gnaw at him, CM Punk realized later on that going on last was something he no longer wanted to get hung up on. The same goes for Jon Moxley, who would rather blade and bleed and tell his own stories than headline the biggest show of the year. WrestleMania is massive, but it's not the be-all end-all it was 10 years ago. Number 3. AJ Styles is the anti-Mr. WrestleMania. It pains me to say this, because AJ Styles is a pro wrestling legend one of the greatest of all time. But his WrestleMania record is pretty dismal. No other great wrestler has worked quite as many not-great matches as AJ on the grandest stage. WrestleMania 32 vs. Chris Jericho was decent, but clunky and overlong. The next year, he faced Shane McMahon in the admitted outlier. That match was bucket loads of fun and a fantastic carry job. At 34, AJ and Shinsuke Nakamura laid an egg. At 35, even a generous rater would struggle to assigned 3 stars to AJ versus Randy Orton. And while AJ was a decent jackass in the boneyard at 36, 37 and 38 were drab nights indeed. A wonderful wrestler with a less than wonderful Wrestlemania record, AJ's show of shows resume is very unfortunate. Number 2. It is no longer the most important event of the year. WrestleMania is obviously still the biggest show of the year, and it's unlikely that this will ever change. It's the one most wrestlers dream of headlining when they're growing up, the one most fans watch, and the one even lapsed fans tune into because there's no stigma. You can't not watch WrestleMania, man. After all, it's WrestleMania. But the grim truth of all of this is that if you asked Vince McMahon if he had to give up WrestleMania or his next show coming out of Saudi Arabia, he would tell you WrestleMania without hesitation. The highest grossing edition of WrestleMania only brought in one third of the money generated by any Saudi show, which, by the way, generate WWE around $50 million a pop. WrestleMania doesn't come close to that, no matter how big it might look on your TV screen. Vince McMahon, like Sean Coombs, is all about the Benjamins, and this show is no longer his most important. Number 1. 50-50 This entry is subjective, it's a qualitative assessment of every WrestleMania main event, and you may well disagree, but in my opinion, the WrestleMania main event has yielded a match worthy of the spotlight 23 times out of 42. And I'm aware that a bit of Steiner math comes into this one, but for every Austin vs. Rock 2 or Miracle on Bourbon Street, there is one Yokozuna vs. Hulk Hogan, Roman Reigns vs. The Undertaker, or Hulk Hogan vs. Sid. WrestleMania main event is a hallowed spot, the one that so many wrestlers grow up dreaming that they'll be a part of. But through the show's history, it has basically been a coin flip as to whether or not it's actually going to be any good. Big does not equal good. WrestleMania's legacy is testament to that. So that's our list. But what other things can you think of that WWE simply hasn't told you about WrestleMania? Let us know in the comment section below. After you've done that, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and ring the bell for notifications. Then you can follow us on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE and myself at AndyHMurray. The H stands for Haku. Bye.